All right, we're going to continue. We got two weeks left in a series that we've been doing called Mature. So next week, I'm excited about next week. One other quick announcement: we um, between services next week, this might be just church business mumbo jumbo to you, but we are going to have kind of a ceremony in between services next week where we install our board and our bylaws and our members. Um, and become an official, like, grown-up general council of the Assemblies of God Church. So that's happening in between services next week if you want to join us for that. Um, we have also, next week, we're going to be wrapping up our series on, on mature, talking about just having a mature faith. And next week, I'm really excited about it. We're going to uh, introduce something, a theme for the day, that what it means to have a mature faith. But we're going to introduce something that we're going to do as a church for the rest of the year, just kind of a... Um, a theme, uh, a focus that we're going to have between now and the end of the year, and I'm really excited for that. So that's what we call in the church biz a teaser. So, oh, you're thinking, wow, he's not telling us what it is. We must come next week. Um, and then you're thinking, well, does that mean he's not excited about this week and what he's going to talk about? No, I'm equally as excited about this week as we talk about one other thing about being a mature faith. Just a little recap. We've talked about in our faith... We've compared it to raising a kid, and they are born, and they are immature, and you have to feed them, and then they learn how to walk or crawl, and then they learn how to walk, and the idea is all of these stages in life, you want them as parents, you want them to grow. You want them to mature. You don't want them to be stuck in the phase where you have to feed them every day. Eventually, you want them to outgrow that, right? You want them to become mature, self-feeding, contributing to society, grown-ups, and as we get into the teenage years, it becomes a matter of prayer. Lord, we need you to help them become mature, functioning members of society. But we do that with, we understand that with kids as they grow, but so often we don't understand that with our faith. With our faith, we want to continue to grow in our faith. So we've talked about over the past several weeks the idea of a community. We do this together. A mature faith recognizes that there is a community that we need to be a part of, small groups coming to church, joining one another in worship. We've talked about how it affects our whole life. We have to own it. We have to die to ourselves. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He must become greater, we must become less. These are things that lead us to a mature faith. Christy talked about having Jesus remain our first love. We talked last week about having a kingdom allegiance first. First and foremost, we are allegiant to the kingdom of God. We've got two weeks left, and today... We're going to talk about a super important part of growing into a mature faith. Because I think what happens for a lot of people is we, we view faith in this way. It's something that I believe in. I believe in God. Um, it's something that I kind of want to add into my life. I want to be a part of a church because my kids like it or I want them to grow up in a church. We believe that there is a God and that we hope that he treats us well. We believe that we should pray even though we don't really do it enough. And we, we believe the Bible is good even though we don't really do it enough. There's good stuff in there. But what this does is it paints a very kind of surfacey, even passive or defensive posture in our faith. Right? It's a... It's like I was thinking about it this week as I was, as I was preparing this message. It's like we're in, a, in the middle of the ocean in a, in a choppy, choppy waves, a choppy ocean, and we're in like this life raft, and we're just getting tossed around. We are defenseless. We're just kind of battening down the hatches, hoping we can make it through life. And we see faith as something like, oh, if this could just help me get through life. It's a very defensive kind of surfacey posture that we have in our faith. Can you relate to that? I can relate to that at times. But a mature faith is not passive. A mature faith is not defensive. 
A mature faith is offensive. I had to say it like a Canadian because otherwise it sounds like offensive. A mature faith is offensive, and some of you have been living an offensive faith for so long. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. I'm not talking about an offensive faith. I'm talking about the opposite of defense is offense. We move forward. That is a mature faith. It is alive. It is active. It's impacting the world. In a choppy sea, it's like a boat that's plowing on through, making a difference. It's pushing back the darkness. It's breaking the strongholds. A mature faith, and here's what we're talking about today. A mature faith is empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen to that. Okay, now I recognize some of you heard the word Holy Spirit, and you're new to this church, and maybe you're just checking it out. And that's like the, where the wheels come off for a lot of people in church, right? You hear someone, you hear the preacher talk about the Holy Spirit, and you're like, oh, no, this is one of those crazy churches, right? This is one of those crazy churches. Someone even said, oh, woo, we got to get out of here. This is a crazy church. It's like that needle record player scratch moment, just like, oh, because here's where the wheels come off. Because for a lot of people, they hear Holy Spirit. And they think of all the crazy stuff in churches, right? All the reasons as a kid you refused to invite your friends to church. I experienced that. I would think, I'd hear the youth pastor say, you're supposed to invite your friends to church. And I'd think, yeah, but as soon as I do, I know that at any given moment between song three and four, crazy Edna is going to sound the ram's horn and start handing out snakes and like screaming out in other tongues. And you know those things and you're just standing there as this is happening and you're thinking, maybe my friend doesn't hear it because <laughs> they are never coming back to this church again. But here's what I want to talk about today. We can't forsake the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our faith just because somebody added some crazy to it somewhere in our history, right? We can't forsake the influence of the Holy Spirit in our faith. We're going to talk about that today. So really, in a broad sense, and maybe you're new to this, in a broad sense, the Holy Spirit is God, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth now, how God moves in us and through us now. When we talk about, I sensed the presence of God there, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is convicting and drawing people to salvation and pointing people to Jesus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been in an environment where you just felt the presence of God, that was the moving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth. The Holy Spirit is how we impact our world with our faith. The Holy Spirit is how things are changed in our world and how darkness is pushed back and how our faith becomes active and offensive. Amen? We move forward. We're not like the lifeboat dinghy in the ocean, but the boat that is moving forward, pushing back the waves, pushing back the things that try to slow us down because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? We are empowered making an impact through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So we're going to study this a little bit today. We're going to begin in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John, chapter 14. This might be new to you, and this might be something you've heard forever and ever, and we just want to all open our hearts today, open the Word of God, see what God wants to speak to us today. And just my prayer at the end of this service is that we would all just have hearts that are open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. You might have so many walls going up right now because I'm even talking about it, and the worst thing, only thing worse than talking about the Holy Spirit is talking about money, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Um, so we're really giving you a one-two punch this week. We're in John chapter 14, and I just want to invite you to open up your heart to what the Word of God has to say to us about the moving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. This is in John chapter 14. Jesus is teaching his disciples, 
and he's letting them know that he's going to be leaving them soon. The disciples haven't figured out any of this yet. The disciples think, if you read the, the Gospels, the disciples think Jesus is going to establish himself as a ruler and a king, and the Messiah is going to be someone that overthrows Rome, starts a revolution, and brings freedom back to God's people, the nation of Israel. This is where their mind is. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to be leaving you soon. Jesus knows he's going to be crucified and then rise again and then ascend to heaven. He knows he's not with them forever. So he's teaching them that he's going to be leaving them soon. And obviously the disciples aren't quite grasping this. And this is what's happening in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Jesus says to his disciples, And I will ask the Father, God the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So we're going to keep that up just for a second. So first of all, I highlighted the word advocate. The Greek word for advocate is the Greek word para, parakletos, where we get the word paraclete. And other translations, instead of advocate, say a helper. I'm going to give you another helper or an advocate. The word parakletos means a defender. Someone who, imagine you're in a situation where you need, like maybe a social worker or a defender in a, in a court case or somebody who knows how the system works who says, I got you. I know how to handle this, so I'm going to help you through this. Does that make sense? Like this is a advocate, a defender, a helper. And another, word, another way that that Greek word parakletos is translated is comforter and consoler. That's a lot of great things that Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is going to be. An advocate, a defender, a helper, a comforter, a consoler. Basically, somebody who is going to have your back. Someone who is going to be your people. You know, you've said it that way, they're my people. Because they support you, they're with you, they've got your back. This is what Jesus is saying this helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, is going to be. And then the other thing that I highlighted, the last sentence, but you, will, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He will be with you, and he will be in you forever. We can't miss how impactful those words are, even if the disciples didn't quite get it. But the idea that Jesus was saying, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is not only going to be with you, but in you. That is so foreign to them. We talked about last week how the disciples, people in the Old Testament, all the way through the disciples, it was so foreign to them to think about an invisible God because it was statues and altars and idols. And now all of a sudden they have Jesus and they're like, oh, here's, here's the embodiment of the presence of God. And now they're saying it's not only going to be that, it's going to be the presence of God dwelling in you. That would have been like stop the show moment. I can tell by looking at your faces right now, it is a stop the show moment for you as well. The presence of God dwelling in you. Being with you, dwelling in you. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was in certain places and anointed on certain people. So then when they built the tabernacle or the temple, there was the holy place. And then there was the holy of holies, the, the, where the altar was, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And the big curtain that surrounded it, that's where God's presence was. And you people would want to get close to that. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies because the presence of God was too much and you would die. That was how it worked in the Old Testament. The presence of God was in a place. And then when there was a king anointed or a prophet anointed over the nation of Israel, they would anoint him and the presence of God would dwell on them. It was very much like, oh, that's the presence over there and they've got the presence of God on him and him. This is kind of how it worked in the Old Testament. 
certain people. And many people still today kind of have that view. If you're new to church, you think, well, I need to go to a church because that's where the presence of God is. Have you ever felt that? Or I need to go talk to a pastor because they kind of have their, the, you know, this anointed, they've got a special anointing. No, the presence of God is not in a building. The presence of God is not in a pastor only. The presence of God is in all of us. It's a very New Testament kind of thing, and we have to grasp that. The presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. And then when Jesus died, you know the story, the veil, the big curtain that surrounded the Holy of Holies, when Jesus died, what happened? That veil was torn. It ripped, top to bottom. It wasn't a moment of, like, God was angry and people were like, oh, wow, look at, he's tearing the veil. It was a significant moment of, no longer is this housing the presence of God. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, will be in all people through Jesus Christ, all who proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We with me so far? We doing good? Okay, good. That's why in 1 Corinthians 6.19, you maybe have heard the, the, the verse, do you not know that you are the temple, your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? You are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So you today, if you have received the mercy of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, the presence of God in you. My, my parents or youth pastors or teachers used to use that verse when it was, it was always like if I was eating too many sugary cereals or, you know, if certain people started smoking cigarettes, it was like that was the counter. Like, don't you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? You shouldn't be treating it like that. You shouldn't get a tattoo because did, did you ask the Holy Spirit if he was okay with you decorating his temple like that or putting that in there? Stuff like that. It was a very judgy translation of that verse back then. <laughs> but what it means is you are where God's presence is. The Holy of Holies, what it was in the Old Testament, that's you now. Instead of people coming to the temple to be close to God's presence, you bring God's presence with you. I mean, that's, that should be empowering and humbling all at the same time of when I go into my world this week, I carry the presence of God. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. I'm going to be going away soon, and there's going to be another advocate that's going to come. And then we jump ahead to the book of Acts. This is after, the book of Acts is after Jesus was crucified and rose again, and we know from the gospel accounts and the start of the book of Acts that after he rose, he was on the earth for about 40 days, appearing to different people, appearing to a number of people. And before he ascended to heaven, he gave the disciples some parting words. And we remember the parting words mostly as the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples, it's now your job to go into all the world and make disciples in every nation. Your job is to go into all the world. Then he says this, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and five. So as Jesus is giving his parting words, he says this. On one occasion while he was eating with them, while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, now remember the things I said. You're still not quite grasping it. But remember, I'm, I'm leaving soon. And the Holy Spirit is going to come. Don't try to do all the things that God has asked you to do without the Holy Spirit. Wait for him. This is what Jesus is saying. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to accomplish what I've asked you to do without this helper that I've told you is coming. The counselor, the spirit of truth, the presence of God that will not only be with you, but in your heart, in your life. And then continue on in verse 6. The disciples still don't get it. They, then they gathered around the disciples, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Again, they're thinking military overthrow, revolution, overthrow Rome. That's what they're thinking. And Jesus replied in verse 7, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And here's what we got to get. But you will receive power. You will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is who gives us the power and the boldness and the encouragement, gives us what we need to accomplish what God has set for us. This commission that Jesus gave us to go into all the world, and we are a part of the New Testament church, so when Jesus gives the disciples a commission to go into all the world and make disciples, that's you and me too. This is, this is the Jesus followers. We're supposed to do this. And the same thing applies to us, but you will receive power and everything you need to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Right? Are we doing good so far? Am I anyone getting totally freaked out? We're doing okay. So the Holy Spirit is not this weird offshoot of Christianity. The Holy Spirit is not just the fringe, the lunatic fringe. Right? The Holy Spirit is not just the little extra goosebump bonus that we get. The Holy Spirit is essential for the life of faith. It's essential for a mature faith. It's essential to accomplish what God has put on your heart to accomplish. This is what the Bible teaches us. This is what we read in Acts chapter 1. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be a Holy Spirit-empowered church, congregation. This is what it means to be a Pentecostal church. There's another word that whenever someone asks me about Homestead, they're like, what kind of, what kind of church is Homestead? What kind of denomination? Well, I say, well, it's an Assemblies of God church. Well, I've never heard of that. What does that mean? And I said, well, it's evangelical. Okay. And it's Pentecostal. And you can see them, oh, you know, like, whoop. Did he say Pentecostal? That's where the crazies are. Pentecostal just simply means that we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active. That is empowering us. We believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. So if you have kind of baggage and walls built up about the word Pentecostal or Holy Spirit, I'm just saying it just means that we believe that the presence of God is going to dwell in us so that we can be empowered to accomplish what God has put on our hearts to accomplish. That's, that's okay. It sounds like something we should all be open to and seeking after. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verse 1 through 11. This is the moment, the arrival, the day of Pentecost. Now, in the Old Testament, the day of Pentecost was a feast, one of three yearly feasts that they would celebrate. Uh, they would remember how God delivered them out of Egypt, the, the Feast of Pentecost or the Festival of Pentecost, where people from all over the surrounding region, all over the world, would come to Jerusalem. So this is happening during that Feast at the festival of Pentecost. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven because it was the Feast of Pentecost. They were all there visiting Jerusalem. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? 
and then all a bunch of words that I don't know how to pronounce right. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors of Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. So when you get to a verse like that that has a lot of names and stuff, it's easy to just kind of blow over. But really, this, the details are there for a reason, to say this was people from all over the world. This was people from all over the world. And they said, we're all hearing them speak in our native language because they were speaking in other tongues. They were speaking in other languages. Every nation heard them in their own language. So, either God allowed all the people in the upper room to kind of speak a little different language, because they don't know. These were not highly educated Jews that were the disciples of Jesus. These were fishermen and tax collectors just a couple of years before. So, either God enabled Peter to speak Italian and John to speak Libyan and Andrew spoke Arabic and he kind of divvied up all the language, or what happened is the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak just in a heavenly language. That didn't really sound like anything, but it was interpreted or heard by everyone in their own language. And I personally think that's what happened. They spoke in this heavenly language, and then everyone was listening, was hearing it in their own language. That they were hearing it, and they like, that sounds like Spanish. That sounds like Arabic. That sounds like, you know, that was a miracle of God. So either way, either way of what happened there, imagine the encouragement the disciples would have felt in that moment. Imagine the encouragement they would have felt. So they've gone from walking with Jesus, they've seen him crucified, and then he's rose again, and now he's telling them he's going to be leaving, but he says, now, but wait for the Holy Spirit, because you're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. For them, they have not traveled out of Judea their entire lives. How are they going to reach the whole world? And one of the things that they would have thought was, we don't know how to communicate with people all over the world. How in the world are we supposed to accomplish what God has for us? It's too hard. It's too difficult. There's no way this small group of people can do it. But now all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're communicating in a way that every nation on earth is hearing and understanding. Imagine the encouragement, right? Amen? That they would have felt. The baptism of the Holy Spirit simply meant that they had everything they needed to fulfill what God had called them to do. So a lot of times... The, the message gets kind of caught up in the speaking in tongues, and we should all be speaking in tongues. And this particular message, and this particular story, I think that's burying the lead a little bit. What I see in this story is the Holy Spirit in your life enables you specifically to do what God has called you to do. And if you're thinking, that's too hard, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. There's no way I could do that. I'm not educated enough. I can't even get over to that part of the world. How am I supposed to do this? All the ways that you disqualify yourself from what God has called you to do, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and provides everything you need, emboldens you and empowers you with everything you need so that you can do what God has called you to do, so that you can have a faith that impacts your world. So that your faith will be part of the collective faith of the people of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, pushing back the darkness, seeing lives change, bringing love and mercy, breaking strongholds. As we were praying during worship today, praying that the strongholds of depression, anxiety, racism, anger, violence, addiction would be broken. This is why we need an empowered church.
Amen? This is why we need a church that's not just surfacey. Well, I come to church and I sprinkle a little Jesus on my life just to, you know, make it a little nicer. No, we need a Holy Spirit-empowered group of believers. And that's all of us, right? We need to do it. This is why we are here. Because God has commissioned us to reach our world. And Jesus would say, but don't do it without the, without the presence of God, without the Holy Spirit in your life. So this is a message that you need to receive today, you individually, wherever you're at in your life. You have everything you need for what God is calling you to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when Jesus Christ, the presence of God comes in you. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit in our life. There are times where there's a, a, what you'll hear preachers talk about, and sometimes in Scripture you read it like a baptism of the Holy Spirit, where it's just like a moment where the, the Holy Spirit just comes on you kind of in a unique way. You just feel like this, this moment, this overflowing of Holy Spirit in you. But this is what you need to know today that you have everything you need to be empowered to live the life that God has called you to live. And it might be a specific thing to go into another part of the world or some big task that God has put or just navigating through regular life still honoring God in 2020 is a task daunting enough, right? So this is why we have the Holy Spirit because we say, God, you are, it's not too hard for you. It's not too hard for you. I have everything I need to do what God is calling me to do, to live a life that honors him. Now, we have a spiritual enemy that's going to try to derail you from this. And the number one way that the spiritual enemy we have is going to try to derail God's plan for your life is for you right now to start thinking of reasons to disqualify yourself from this. Thinking of reasons why, well, that sounds good, Mr. Preacher, and that sounds good for other people who have their lives together, but that's not me. Maybe you disqualify yourself by thinking, that's just something God doesn't do through me. Or I don't know how to do what God has asked me to do. Or I'm not bold or I'm not knowledgeable. God doesn't use me like that. Or you're disqualifying yourself today by saying, I'm too much of a mess. I have messed up stuff too much. Or it's too hard. The task is too much. All that's going on in our world today, there's a lot of people that are just feeling like it's just too much. The enemy's going to be whispering in your ear saying, that's not for you. This Holy Spirit thing, this empowered life, this boldness that he has for you, that's not for you. It's not for you. But here's what I read in Scripture. If you read on in Acts chapter 2, when, when everyone's questioning the commotion, Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd and he quotes the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my, speeple, my, speeple, my, my spirit on, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? All people. He says that in like the verse right after. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. So if any, any reason you have to think, well, that doesn't apply to me today, well, that's, that's a lie. This is the Holy Spirit that is poured out on all people. And the fact that God would pour out his Holy Spirit on you is proof positive that he has a calling for you, that he does believe in you, that he does say you have everything you need with the Holy Spirit in your life. Just because he's going to be willing to pour out his Holy Spirit in your life, that's the stamp of approval that you need to say that God is with you, that God has something for you, that God has a life, a calling for you. That to, to live an impacting faith, to hear from God, to prophesy to others, and prophesy means that you have moments where you hear, some, you hear God speaking to you. 
not maybe not in an audible voice. I think that would freak me out if that happened, but just like a prompting in your heart where you're talking to someone and you'll just sense the Holy Spirit in you saying, you're supposed to ask them about this. You're supposed to encourage them with this. You're supposed to talk to them about this. You're supposed to tell them this. It's a very powerful moment where God is speaking through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit to somebody else. Don't you want, I mean, don't you want to be involved in stuff like that? Just real life, forget about the crazy stuff that we all think, man, that's crazy. Think about God speaking through you specifically for somebody that you are doing life with. That's a great moment. God's calling you to live a life that honors him, to hear from him, to prophesy to others, to push back the darkness because you carry the presence of God. We need people to activate this part of their faith. Mature faith means just continually be open to God's presence in your life. A mature faith, a response today would be, God, I'm open. I'm open for whatever you want in my life. Move however you want in my life. Just be open and ask God for it. When we ask God for good gifts, he gives them. Listen to God. There's going to be times where you just need to spend some time praying and say, God, I want you to speak to me. Ultimately, we know, first and foremost, God speaks to us through his word. And there's times where we're reading his word and there's something will kind of just come alive, and that's the Holy Spirit kind of illuminating the word of God. There's times where God will just speak a word of encouragement when you're praying. I just encourage you, take some time to pray and say, God, what do you have for me today? What word, is there something you want me to communicate to somebody today? As the temple of your Holy Spirit, how would you like the presence of God in my life to impact those around me? And just be open. Now, here's the hardest part. Be willing to try it when you feel like God is putting something on your heart. This is something we're going to get wrong sometimes. I've had people, there's been times where I felt like God was saying something and I've talked to someone and it hasn't really been the right, <laughs> the right thing. I'm like, okay, well, I got that wrong. But if you're a parent and you're watching your kids try stuff, you love seeing them try right? You love seeing them just work at it to try to get better at it. I think there's an element of just practicing this. We're not going to get it perfectly. It's not going to be something that the Holy Spirit comes on us and instantly we're prophesying with all the King James English words and we're saying everything perfectly. We're human and we still need to grow in this. There's times when people have prophesied words of prophecy over my life or Christie's life and we've talked to each other after and they said, they said this, that doesn't sound right and we'll kind of agree with each other. Yeah, that did not sound right. Um, specific things, that, and we won't get into all that. So um, there's time, we're not going to be perfect in this, but how we get better at it is times when we're praying and we feel like God is prompting us to do something, just be obedient. That's how we're going to grow in this, okay? Or just be obedient and be humble about it. A lot of times what we do is we start getting into this posture of, well, I'm hearing from God, now I'm speaking like I am God, and, and you can't question me because, well, this is from God, so there's been a lot of times in a lot of churches where it's like, well, we can't have drums on the stage because God said the drums are of the devil, and we'll say, well, no, we like the drums. Well, you can't question me because I heard from God. Well, you, you know, if you've been around churches long enough, you've experienced stuff like that. We need to be humble about it. And here's one thing I, I want to talk about. For me, there's just been times where I felt those prompts, those words of encouragement. There's times where I'm facing something and I'll just pray, Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. I need a specific, I need specific wisdom for this. I'm in a situation where I don't know what to do. Like I've, I've done all the pros and cons and I, I can't decide. I need your Holy Spirit guidance. 
And then there are times where I will pray in a heavenly language. Now, this is, might be where the wheels completely come off for some of you. There's times where I pray in tongues, in a heavenly language. And I just do it as an act of faith. It's not something that comes over me. It's not something that, like, I can't control. It, it, there's times where it feels like, am I just babbling here? Like, but as an act of faith... I say, I know that there's the Holy Spirit in me. The Bible talks about how we pray with words that, or with groans or the language of the Spirit that words can't understand. And really what, I'm, what I feel is this. I have the Holy Spirit in me, and I want to pray for something, and sometimes I don't even know the words to pray. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what to pray for. So when I pray in another heavenly language, and I just do it by myself, that's my... That's the Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit just interceding on my behalf. This is what the Bible says, that we can just pray, and the, and the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf for exactly what needs to be prayed for. That doesn't sound weird and creepy to me. That sounds pretty great. That sounds pretty great. I want to encourage you in this. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, don't wait for those moments where you're expecting, like, the thunder and the, if you've talked, like, if someone's talked to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't need to be this weird thing. It honestly can be just something that you just decide to start trying to do. Ask God to give you the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would fill you up. And if you want to do it, just try it. And you might think, this is weird. And I feel that way sometimes too. But as an act of faith, we say, but I believe that this is the Holy Spirit in my life, praying on my behalf, praying for what needs to be prayed for. Is that all right? Is that super creepy? Is that okay? Okay, good. Of course, you're probably not going to answer. Yes, super creepy. Move on. But act when God prompts you. Practice these things. Practice growing in the, in the, the gifts of the Spirit. The moving of the Holy Spirit is going to be like the sound of a mighty train coming through. And I just feel like some people here are going to hear that sound here again in just a moment. Of course, now it's quiet. I don't know if you can hear that watching online. There's a train going through now, and it kind of causes the whole building to shake. Amen. <laughs> Normally, it's not 1026 when they come through. They're early today. Be humble while you practice these things. Learn. Be willing to, for God to grow you in this area of your life. Amen? This is just something we need to be empowered to do. This is not weird and creepy. This is a real life thing that God is going to empower us to do so that we can live a life that honors him in how we do it. Students in your school, grown-ups in your workplaces, wherever we are, we bring the presence of God. We need less Christians who are impacting their world just by telling people all they're doing is wrong. And we need more people who are alive and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into the darkest parts of the world, to make disciples, to see miracles, right? To see miracles happen, to have authority over spiritual darkness. You know you have authority in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit over all spiritual darkness, that you can bind the spirits that are attacking you in the name of Jesus, to see strongholds broken of depression and addiction and racism and violence and devaluing human life broken in the name of Jesus. These are the things, this is what the church should be about, empowered by the Holy Spirit, not meant to be weird or creepy, but just an empowered life, a victorious life. This is about fulfilling the commission that Jesus has set out before us, to go into all the world with boldness and purpose and calling to bring light into the darkness. So this needs to be part of our church. And I'm specifically talking about Homestead Church. This just needs to be part of our church. Again, not the weird things, but the Holy Spirit just speaking and moving through us. Times where we come together as leaders in the church and we pray and we say, God, what do you want to speak to us 
today. Times when we have moments that this, where you're hearing the Holy Spirit say, go talk to that person. Go speak this word over the church. Give a word of wisdom. Give a, a, a message to somebody else to say God is seeing you in this specific thing and he's going to get you through it. These are the things that can be a part of our church and we need, to, we need to do that. I believe that we are on, at the beginning of God, really moving in new and unique ways. We see a ton of new people coming to this church and it's not about having a big church. It's about having an alive church. I believe that we're supposed to get ready for that. We're supposed to get ready in our hearts to be those temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Colonel Jeff Merricks and I were at a prayer retreat a couple months ago, and part of this was just teaching on this, and the, and the speaker at this retreat said, now, just pray and allow God to speak to you and, and write down what you think he might be saying for your church, for your ministry. So I was writing down some things for our church, and a lot of it, what I, it came, a lot of this message came from that where I just wrote down, this needs to be alive and active at Homestead Community Church. This just needs to be a very normal part of our church. And then I just wrote down, be ready. Like, I just felt like I was saying, there's, there's things coming that you just need to be spiritually ready for and that the church needs to be spiritually ready for. So I just wrote down, be ready for what God is going to do. So later that night, Colonel and I were talking, and it was funny because we're like, what did, what, did you, what did God speak to you? And I don't know, what did you speak to you? And so, and so Colonel said, well, here's what I wrote down. I wrote down, well, I felt like God was saying, be ready for what, what God is about to do at Homestead. And I said, huh. I said, I wrote down, be ready for what God is about to do, that this needs to be alive. And so we're like, it's like, what? Can you believe it works? So it was just a moment where we were just, we were just reminded that the Holy Spirit is alive and active, and he wants to prepare all of us to be his church. Whether you're a part of this specific church or not, this is what God wants, you to, what, what God wants your faith to be like, a mature faith, Holy Spirit empowered. So we're going to close in prayer today, and here's what we're going to do. I would invite you to stand. And we're going to just have some music playing, and Christy might lead us in a song. But here's what I want us to do, and I'm going to pray in a moment. But I'm just asking you just to be open, just to be open. And don't be, this doesn't need to be stressful, and we're not going to make it weird. And, um, but just be open and just simply say this as we, as we begin to pray. God, I'm open to you, every part of my life. And, it, and sometimes I do this, I just kind of hold out my hands just as a physical sign of receiving everything that God has for me. God, I want your Holy Spirit in my life. God, I want your boldness in my life. I want the supernatural gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want everything you have for me. So Lord, I pray that you would empower me and baptize me and speak to me and convict me of areas of compromise, embolden me to live a faith-filled, impacting life for your glory. So if you just pray that, just hold out a hand and say, God, this is what I want. This is what I want in my life. God, we need your presence. We need your Holy Spirit. We invite you in. We thank you that you are the God that empowers us, that your, that your presence is with us and in us wherever we go. Let's just sing a song together.